Hello, and welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast for Edgewood Church in Danville, Illinois. This week at Edgewood. Dear God, I just want to thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for your word. I ask that you would guide and direct my thoughts this morning. Lord, uh, even down to the words that I say, I pray that your truth would be uh, lifted up and pulled out from this passage. Lord, I pray that you would uh, be with each person in this room today. God, I always trust that you brought the right people at the right time to hear what needs to be said, and I pray that even today that is the case. I pray now that you would, uh, again, give us wisdom, not just in speaking, but in listening. In your name I pray. Amen. Um, so I'm going to start with a little bit of, not that I would never be honest, but I'm going to start with a little bit of additional honesty this morning. Um, this particular sermon I've been putting off. Have it, did you notice that? Kind of taking some detours and stuff. I want you to know why, though, but I don't want to confuse you when I tell you why. Um, it's not because I look at this passage and am nervous about it at all. It's not that. It's simply because the topic today, the big picture of this topic, doesn't, to me, feel that relevant. Okay? Um, in fact, to add, add to that, this particular chapter is unique in the Bible. This is the only chapter where you're going to see this covered. Did I just go out? Am I still... It seemed like it was louder a second ago. Oh, did you just turn me down? Oh, okay. Wow, that threw me down. My voice just got quiet. Um, the Corinthian church, this is actually dealing with a topic that they were struggling with. So you're, this particular topic, the way it's addressed and the, the pointedness to how it's addressed, you don't see anywhere in the New Testament done this way. Our church is not dealing or struggling with this particular topic. So it feels like when you, when you present something, that's a, 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 something that another church has struggled with, you come to this church, you present the same thing. When we're not struggling with it, it always feels a little, hmm, like, okay, thanks, let's move on. Um, I do believe that there is something, in fact, there are several things, but there's one particular idea that's captured inside of this chapter that I hope to pull out at the end. Um, that I do think is relevant for every single one of us in, in every single way. This particular topic just being the example. But that being said, like I said, I've been putting this off. We're going to tackle it today, then we're going to move on. Okay. I want to address it in three stages. Okay, Three stages. This is going to feel like an odd sermon. Uh, stage one. I'm just going to give some summary ideas. Okay? Does anybody, by the way, know the topic we're talking about today? 1 Corinthians chapter 14, speaking in tongues. Okay? Um, so I'm going to deal with it in three stages. The first stage, I'm going to just give some summary ideas about this particular topic. Stage two, I'm going to read through the text because this text, frankly, is one of the easiest. I think it's just very direct. It's very pointed. It's very straightforward. I think anybody in this room could read this text and go, okay, I think I know what Paul's saying. Okay? It's not overly complicated. Paul's very direct. So I'm going to read through the text. Stage three, there's one idea in the middle of it. 
that even though it's applying to tongues, speaking, and to prophecy, I think it applies to many other areas and spiritual gifts. Okay? So we're going to deal with this in three stages. Stage one. What is speaking in tongues? That's the first step. Out of curiosity, anybody ever experienced either yourself or seeing someone else or at least aware of this topic? Anybody ever seen anything like this? Okay, most of your hands went up. Uh, I think some of you go, I've never seen it at all. I, there may be some of you that go, I've never seen that. I don't even know what it is, to be honest with you. You may be saying that even if you've seen it, you may have walked away from it and gone, I still don't know what it is. Okay? So there's two options I'm going to give you, I'm, and I'm, I'm summarizing hugely. So if I go through today and you still have more questions, please jot them down. Ask me. I will help answer them as best as I can. There are two options when it comes to this topic as far as answering the question, what is it? Okay? There's actually more than that, but I'm going to give you the two big topics. Uh, one of them, when you ask the question, what is speaking in tongues, one of the answers is that, the, that there is one option for what the Bible means when it says this. And that one option is that speaking in tongues is speaking in a foreign language. Has anybody ever heard that that's what speaking in tongues is supposed to be in the Bible? Anybody? Okay. Um, some people believe this because of Acts chapter 2. If you're unfamiliar with that, you should jot that down, Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is given to the disciples on the day of Pentecost. Now, you may go, you may go, I've heard that word before. Where have you heard the word Pentecost outside of just hearing it in that term? Maybe a version of that word? Who's heard a version of the word Pentecost? What are you thinking? Pentecostal, Pentecostal right? Are there churches that are called Pentecostal churches? And what are, what are they usually known for? Speaking in tongues, okay? This is where some of this is connected, okay? So there's this here. Um, but one version of speaking in tongues is that it's always a foreign language. The disciples, after the Bible literally says tongues of fire, same Greek word glossa, like where we get the word glossary, says tongues of fire show up on their heads, and then they go out and it says they start speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives them utterance. We then see people from all over the known world, and for those of you that study with this through Acts, you might remember this, uh, all over the known world were there in Jerusalem at that time because of that holiday. And we see them all understanding them in their own language. Now it's interesting because in the Bible when it then says they were all understanding them in their own language, there's a different Greek word that is used. And you're going to recognize this Greek word. You guys didn't know you were Greek scholars, did you? I'm going to tell you this Greek word and you go, I'm, you're going to go, I've heard this word before. It's the word dialect. Have you ever heard that? You've heard that before. See, you're a Greek scholar. Didn't even know it. Uh, so it says in Acts chapter 2 that they were all speaking in other tongues and people were understanding them in their own dialect or language. So from this, some people go speaking, and that's what speaking in tongues is. If it's done God's way, the Bible's way, that's what it is. It's speaking in a language that somebody somewhere would understand. Okay? That's one possibility. We already see an issue here because there is a Greek word for languages, dialect, and we're not seeing that used in 1 Corinthians 14 as referring to speaking in tongues. So speaking in tongues, but there is a Greek word for language. It's called dialect, different word. 
Paul is very good at the Greek language. He knows which word to use where. So we already see some issues with this. Option two, okay, second option, speaking in tongues in the Bible, like when you're reading through the Bible, it says they began speaking in tongues. If you ever read the Bible, which to be honest with you, doesn't, this topic does, doesn't show up very often. In fact, if I were to go through the whole rest of the Bible, I mean, I've been preaching through Scripture. You guys know that, right? How many times have we had to stop and talk about this? Never. Is this a big... No. It's just not... It's a non-issue for most people. Uh, but speaking tongues could be two things. There's two possibilities. One, clearly, we did a saw from Acts chapter 2 that says they were speaking in tongues, and then it said people were understanding them, right? In their own dialect or language. Okay, that... I can't toss that out because that's what the Bible says. But there's another possibility from Scripture, and I'm going to get to that, and when we get to chapter 14, you're going to hear that very clearly played out. Okay? It's not going to be a confusing thing. But there's another option that tongue speaking can be speaking not just in a foreign language, but in something that nobody understands, even the person doing it. You're going to see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Okay? So hold on to that thing. You're like, well, that's weird. I'm going to agree with you. That's weird. Okay? It's, it's a little weird. In fact, 1 Corinthians 14 is going to point out the weirdness of it. You're going to see that too. But speaking in tongues, and this is where I stand, I think there's two options, just biblically speaking. Speaking in tongues in the Bible can be speaking like what happened on the day of Pentecost, where there could be those who understand it. In fact, I've even heard stories in modern times of people who have gone into missionaries that have gone in and they thought they were talking in there and somebody that didn't understand English understood what they were saying. Okay, I'm telling you right now, I still think that that kind of thing can happen. Okay? I've heard those stories. I also think that speaking in tongues can be, if I'm just saying, if I'm going to talk about how the Bible talks about it, I can't rule out that it's something that is possibly a language that nobody understands. Utterances of the Spirit. I'm going to throw in there. I've never had that happen. I'm fine with that. I think if I had it happen, I'd get a little freaked out. Can pastors get freaked out? I think if I... that. I can remember, now see, I'm just going to be completely honest with you. I know that many of you as Christians, when you started studying the Bible, you started seeing this stuff, and you probably said, I've heard many older Christians say, come to God and say, Lord, if this is a thing, I want it to happen. And it never has. I want you to know, that's okay. Okay? It's not a big, important issue in the Bible. Okay? Now, so this is where I stand. There's a couple other side notes on this, this little topic here. Some believe that tongues, the speaking in tongues, have ceased. Who's ever heard that? Yeah, a lot of us have probably been taught that. Okay, so in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether it be tongues, they shall cease. Whether it be knowledge, it shall pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. So some people have heard that, and they said, it all hinges on what is the perfect to come. And there are two ideas that people try to support. One is that when that which is perfect is come is the Word of God, the Bible. 
The Bible wasn't completed at the time of Paul's writing this. So they say, well, when the Bible is completed, then those things went away. Okay? I don't believe that. That which, that which is perfect has come is talking about that coming kingdom when Christ himself returned. I, I don't think there's any way you could stretch it to mean the other. I don't criticize those who think that it does, but I'm telling you right now, I don't at all believe that you could. Plus, I have an issue with building an entire thought process over one text that's not clear. Would you agree with that? We interpret Scripture. We talked about this when we studied the Bible. You interpret Scripture with Scripture. Before we get to the end of chapter 14, the last word on tongues from Paul the Apostle, he says, <clears throat> forbid not to speak in tongues. That's his last word on it. I'm not going to build a whole thing out of that either. But I definitely, when I start looking at these together, well, I don't think it can mean that because he comes over here and he says this. So, Summary. Teacher mode. Here's what I believe. I believe that tongues in the Bible, two possibilities. One, it could be uttering something that is understood by somebody. I also believe it can be something that is uttered, that is understood by nobody, that's prompted by the Spirit of God. I believe both possibilities are available in Scripture. If I were to say anything different, I think I'd be going against what the Scriptures say. Everybody good with that so far? Okay. Um, do I believe that they've ceased? No. I think that there are things that are going to be unneeded when we, are, when we see him face to face. Right? That's what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 13. When he says, For we know in part and we prophesy in part, when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part will be done away. He then goes from that to talk about, for now we look through it in a mirror dimly. But then he says, but then we will see Referring to what he just said. Then we will see face to face. I don't think that at this moment I'm seeing the fullness of Jesus. This still is like looking through a mirror dimly. There's going to be a day when we're going to stand face to face with Jesus and every question we have will become perfectly clear. He will ask what you need to know. I personally hope for a Q&A time. Don't you hope for that a little bit? Get to heaven. Like, I, I hope some point near the beginning of our heavenly time, there's a Q&A time, because I got some questions. That would be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? Jesus, what about... How did the whole feeding of the 5,000, what did that actually look like? Did the bread split while you were doing it? Or when nobody was looking, did it multiply in the basket? Did the disciples get it? And they go... Oh, why? There's more in here. Or did it, as they were taking it, I really want to know what that looked like. And don't mock me because my examples always have to do with food, okay? I'm just, <laughs> I like bread, okay? Anyway. And then I wonder, like, okay, when the fish multiplied, so there's five loaves and two fish. At the end of it, how many fish heads were there? I mean, they probably weren't eating them. How many fishes? I mean, they had two fish. Now, all these other fish heads would have been on the ground. Maybe they ate him. I don't know. Anyway, that's not important. Back on topic. I apologize. All right, so now, 
Let's jump into phase two. I'm going to read this passage of Scripture. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to read it to the very end. I'm only going to go up to verse 33. I don't want it to get too overwhelming, so I'm going to go up to verse 33. It, it, it kind of shifts, but then it shifts back near the end. I, I, but I don't want us to miss what he's saying, okay? But let me tell you some things I want you to listen for. Does, does that help? That might be helpful. I'm going to read it. Some things to listen for, okay? Let me go to a blank slide. I want you to be sidetracked here. Okay? Here. We'll even put this up there. Uh, some things to listen for. Number one thing to listen for. Okay? If you like to jot things down, you might want to jot this down. Number one thing I want you to listen for is love. Okay, you're going to hear it. What was the chapter right before 1 Corinthians 14? The love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13. This is not a new topic. He's, he's now going to take this. So you're going to hear that the guiding principle to how we operate with what God has given us is love. You're going to hear that, okay? Number one. Number two, thing to listen for. You will hear, especially right at the beginning when he first starts talking about it, you will hear it is clearly, Paul's clearly not talking about a foreign language. Just listen for it. You're going to hear it pretty clear. Okay? Number three, for those of you that like to really pay attention, I want you to listen for, and I don't think that this is a side note, I want you to listen for a Hebrew word. What is Paul writing in when we read? Now, we're going to read it in English. But even as I read it in English, you're going to hear a word that's actually a Hebrew word. Okay, so I want you to listen for this Hebrew word, which is interesting to me because when we're talking about uttering things, he throws in this Hebrew word. That's pretty interesting when he's talking about uttering things. And he's going to talk about it in terms of, in fact, <clears throat> I've heard before, I mean, you can listen. I don't know if you've ever listened to uh, people in foreign countries that are testifying Christians in foreign countries. Uh, one of the words that always pops out at me when I'm listening to those is this Hebrew word. See if you can find it. I almost said it what, what it was. <laughs> See if you can find it. You're gonna, you're gonna, it's going to be a word that you recognize. Listen for it. Okay? Next. <clears throat> I want you to listen for some practical advice. I think you're going to hear some very practical things that Paul says. Do this with this many people. And this, like, very specific. Okay? Finally, I want you to listen for terms connected with building. Okay? I think you're going to hear more than one term connected with building. Okay? Now, I'm going to look, I'm going to read from my Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I'm going to go from verse 1 to verse 33. I'm going to stop at verse 33. Um, I want you to listen to this as if you were the Corinthian church, see if you can enter into their situation. They were, they were struggling with this topic, so feel for them, okay? How, how they might have heard it. Imagine if you want to try to imagine some being in a Corinthian congregation and the letter of Paul's made it around to your little local house assembly. And, and, and one of the church leaders has got him and said, this is this letter from Paul, and he's been reading through it. He just got done talking about love, and then he's, 
you know, he's touching on topics that are important to you as a church. So try to listen to it in those terms. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him. But he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring, uh, unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments, such as the flute or the harp, do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if, you, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages, dialects, many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the, the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourself, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit, uh, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing praise with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when it does not know what you're saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people. And even when they will not listen to me, says the Lord, uh, but even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus tongues are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers. While prophecy is a sign for, the, for unbelievers, uh, not for unbelievers, but for believers. 
If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convinced or he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so, falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. What then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or three, or two or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to, an, to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Now, let's see. Did anybody hear love? Where did you hear that at? Very first verse, right? Right? Love, love, defining attribute. Did anybody hear anything that clearly said this is not just a foreign language? Did you hear anything that might have said that? I heard somebody whisper something. Anybody? Look, you can cheat. You can look back. That's not really cheating. What verse did you hear that in? Verse 10, I heard it in verse 10. I, there was somewhere else, though, at the beginning. Yeah, verse 2. Verse 2, for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him. That's interesting, right? But he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Yeah, verse 10 as well. Um, anybody hear the Hebrew word? No. There's a word in there. You probably thought this was an English word. There, I heard it. Amen. Did you hear that? Paul doesn't use the Greek, a Greek word. He uses a Hebrew word. Amen. Took that right from Hebrew. Infiltrated it here. It's interesting, isn't it, that that same word, amen, Pronounced amen. Greek letters, A-M-E-N. Isn't it interesting that that same word has made it into our language? If you look in an English dictionary, you're going to see the word amen. We didn't come up with that one. Interesting, isn't it? In fact, like I mentioned earlier, if you're watching a missionary talking and maybe speaking a foreign language, you see the words, you, you might even catch them saying, whether it's Chinese or Japanese or whatever other language you're speaking, you might hear them say at the end, Amen. That's interesting. I'm going to talk about that one in just a second. Um, anybody hear any practical advice in here? Hear anything practical? 
Yeah, one at, one at a time. Let, yeah, even with the prophets, it said, let one sit back and weigh what is being said. And the other one speaks, right? Practical advice. I want to go up to, um, or I'm going to go back to verses 3 and 4. Because <clears throat> this captures for me one of the principles that I think guides us. And so this is phase 3, stage 3. Verses 3 and 4 say this. I'm going to focus really on verse 3. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Words in the church, words outside of the church, words can build. The word upbuilding. Some of your versions may say uh, something different. Anybody have anything different there? Just with the letter E. Edifying, right? It's good for edification. That just means building up. Does not mean tearing down. It, with the grace gifts that God gives, whether, whether it be tongues or prophecy, whether it be hospitality, whether it be any, I mean, you name it. Those things are for the building up of the church. In this passage, we're focusing on those gifts that have to do with words. Your words build up. Can I ask you, have you ever walked away from a conversation and I don't, you may not be able to put your finger on exactly what they said, but the combination of words that that person used, you walked away and you did not feel built up, you felt torn down. Who's experienced that? I think probably all of us. <laughs> Done that? Yeah. Whatever gifts, as love dictates how the gifts are being used, in this case tongues, also prophecy, but I think it applies to all things that God gifts you with, the gift is there to build up. Your words ought to, when people walk away from you, feel, know, they've been built up, not torn down. Can you think of a time where even though maybe you were doing something wrong and somebody had to correct you, can you, you ever had a time where you've been corrected, but even after the correction, which kind of felt a little bit like a tearing down, you, didn't, you still didn't walk away from it feeling torn out. You felt, you walked away like, I can do this. You ever had that happen? See, th this type of work, building up words might involve a little bit of excavation, a little bit of demolition, but someone who knows how to speak, I mean, words fitly spoken are like apples of gold and settings of silver. There's things that you can say that a person can walk away. Even if they've done the wrong thing, even if they had to be corrected, they can walk away and think and realize they're a step higher than where they were before the conversation. You ought to strive 
to have words that have that impact. Number two, encouragement. The Greek word here is the same Greek word used in John 14 to describe the Holy Spirit. You may have heard this word, paraclete. You heard that? So you've been in church for a long time. It's a Greek word. Um, when Jesus says, I will send you another counselor, it's that word that's used right here. It literally means to come alongside someone. Come alongside. As you speak words, they ought to have this impact as well. Not just building up, but building up in a sense that I'm with you in this. I'm with you in this. In a small way, this is one of the things that I try to do at school as a dean when kids come in. And I have, I mean, all I'm doing is correcting them. But I can't tell you how many times I, I try to add a little bit of it, like, you can do this. I can help you. I, I want to help you. I want to, you're having a hard time. Come down here. Let me talk you out off, off the ledge. But you can do this. How much more so are our words in the church, not just our own little congregation, but across the board, our church, be words that not only build up, but words that are also, I'm, I'll be with you through this. Many will say, you got this. Let me know how it goes. <laughs> right? Just tell me later. There's a lot of people that they need, and I use that word loosely, they need the guidance of the Spirit, someone to be there to take that call, to hear what's being said. You're going to be the one. Come on, you can do this. Keep at it. He's worth it. One that's going to talk you down. I know it seems horrible. The world has not ended. God is good all the time. Right? Part of our words, the gifts that God has given us are there to not only build up, but not from a distance, right here. That's tough, isn't it? Come alongside. I like the next one. And consolation. To come alongside. This word is very similar that the in the Greek, para, P-A-R-A, is at the beginning of that last word, encouragement, paraclete. It's also actually at the beginning of this word. Um, but th this word has the idea, uh, one, of the, one of the dictionaries I read on this word says it has the idea of even whispering to the church. That, that voice in the church, that it, it's taken those first two ideas and kind of spreading it out so it's, we're, we're all striving for this. This voice in the church, this collective voice in the church that says, it's okay. This word actually, that's why it's translated consolation, because it can mean keep calm, but can also have the idea of inspiring someone. It's that collective voice in the church that says, man, we can do this. We can do this. There's a togetherness involved with it as well, just like that last word that... that I'm along beside you. It's the one that sits beside you and goes, 
in the middle of a trial or a tragedy, says, it's okay. It's okay. Keep at it. You got this. You got this. Keep going. Don't, st- don't quit now. Keep going. And do this. Building up the church in this passage is not really about having the right program, having the right, every, like, we got this ministry, we have this thing here going, um, oh, these people are struggling with this, we need to establish a, a working ministry for this thing and make sure that these people are, I mean, those things are great. And when you have a bigger church, a lot of times you can do those sorts of things. But the, the real building up of the body of Christ is captured right here in these three words. It's the people that on a regular daily basis, I don't care what kind of degree you have, I don't care what kind of, uh, you know, how smart you think you are in the Bible, it's the one that in the Spirit simply says to another Christian, keep at it. Don't quit. Do you need me to come over? I can come over there. You need a hug? I'll hug you. You need a kick in the pants? I'll do that too. What do you need? You know, keep at it. The true building up the... In fact, any of those ministries that get established, as great as they are, the real work of building up comes when there's people that are in them that are operating in the gifts of the Spirit that are saying those things. Keep at it. Sometimes just a whisper in the ear. I appreciate watching your growth in the Spirit. I appreciate watching what God's doing in your life. I appreciate it. Keep at it. And then it flips around sometimes. They come to you. Keep at it. Any of the spiritual gifts can go awry with this. Not just the ones he's talking about. I thought about it today in terms of preaching. Uh, I get up here to preach. We, we're all hoping, right, that God is gifting in this moment, that God has said, okay, I'm going to gift you, Matt, knucklehead, that you're going to be able to preach to these people the, the truth of the Word of God. Okay, we're all hoping for it. But I, I never want, and especially after reading this again, I never want to come across, and I'm going to be honest, I've had some pastors that did this. Not myself, but I've heard speakers do this, not I don't think I've had pastors that really fell into this line, but I've, I've had some, some people that I've known that their knowledge of the Scripture, instead of building up, made me feel stupid. I hope you never feel that way here. If you do, I apologize. I'm a knucklehead. Forgive me. <laughs> Not that bright. We're all in this together. We're all in this together, right? I want to encourage you when you come. I need the encouragement too. It's not like I don't ever get to the point when our house isn't selling. It's not like I don't ever get to the point like, okay, Lord, what are you doing now? I know maybe you probably thought I was the type that's like, Father, it's okay. Give me whatever trial you bestow upon me, and I will, with great patience and confidence, endure all things. I'm, that's not me. <laughs> I don't know if that person, other, outside of the person of Jesus Christ, I don't know if that person 
exist. And if, they have, if you have had glimpses of that, great. But most of us, we need the, the beside. Because we're going to hit those points and we need each other to come along and say, keep at it. The Corinthian church got excited about the, the amazing things that God might do and they were getting all pumped up about the, the glorious gifts that might bring uh, attention to the, themselves. That's what that was really about. That's what they were struggling with. And Paul's like, you're missing the point. What God gifts you is to build up His people. And if you're not using it for those reasons, you're missing it. Hospitality. Giving. That, that's another one that can be, it can be misused. There, there's people that, and this is why I think Jesus actually says, when you give, give anonymously. Try to do as much as possible. Just don't let anybody see you're giving. Because I think we're all prone, and it's easy if you're doing well and somebody else isn't. To do, and I don't know about you, but there's been, been people who've been gracious with me. A couple times there was someone who was gracious with me, but I, I walked away from feeling like they were like, oh, you poor, poor unfortunate soul. You just can't get your act together, can you? Take some money. <laughs> Hospitality, giving, even that can be a teardown and belittling. When you give, it ought to be gracious and for building up, encouraging, lifting. The end result, a church, a people that's growing in the grace of God. Without Christ, I don't think any of this would be possible. I think he's the prime example of one. I think when you read the Gospels, you see Jesus again and again. I mean, if anybody could have come down and said, I'm better than all of you, it's Jesus. Because he was. But you see him again and again entering into where his disciples, Peter and James and John and Andrew, just entering in where they're at. And graciously, compassionately, building them up, lifting them up, and I think one of the biggest evidences of the work that Christ did on them personally, outside of just the Spirit of God making it happen, I believe those disciples are a perfect picture of ones who had been around someone who knew how to graciously use His words. Because you see those guys with confidence. And if you know anything about the disciples, none of them had any reason to really be all that confident. But I think because of the gracious words of Christ, they, they left out and those guys turned the world upside down. That's what we're here for. And I know I've jokingly called it and it's Christmas time. I look out at you. I know we're, I know we're like the island of misfit toys. <laughs> but I also see a group of people that are just graciously clinging to what God has given them. And it, nothing makes me more happy than to see when I, 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 sometimes I'll catch it, sometimes I'll see it, sometimes I'll hear about it later. Some of you just go into others. Well, you can, you got this. You're not being profound theologically, nor frankly should you be. Sometimes it's all it takes. God's, God's good. He's going to get you through this. Don't quit. It's all right. Oh, Man, I can't believe that. I'll be praying for you. Don't stop. It, it'll be good.
let me know if you need something. Can I help with that? I see that happening here. Grace, compassion, words that build. And I encourage you just to keep it up. Keep at it. Allow God's grace to filter through you continuously and more and more. Be ready to be recipients of it from others when you're struggling. And I think the end result will be a group of misfit toys, misfit Christian knuckleheads. But we're filled with the grace of God. I think when people come here or they encounter you in your, your workplace or they, they see you in the, the neighborhood or you're at the family Christmas event, they're going to see you and they're going to go, something is there. And you're going to know it's just the gift of God. God is gifting the grace to an act and it's coming through with how you use your words. Building up, coming along beside, and whispering words of calm to keep at it. I'm going to take a moment here because we need to remember that the one who did it all for us is Christ himself. I'm going to have uh, our guys come up. If they want to go ahead and come up, I'm going to pray. I don't know who I've got. But I, got I see two people standing up. That's good. Um, have them come up. I'm going to pray a word of blessing over these things. Um, as we've done the last few weeks, we've been having this where you could actually see it. And I think that's a beneficial thing. It says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, um, Paul talks about these things where it, these things were, that were delivered. And I pictured Christ himself doing these things. He talks about the, the body. And so let's lift this up here. Or this is the body that was broken for you, and you just imagine Christ breaking that bread, maybe breaking it multiple times amongst his disciples, breaking off a piece. This is my body, which is broken for you. His blood that's poured out. You picture Christ doing that at that table with his disciples. This blood is, this is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. I imagine many of them later thinking and picturing Christ on the cross literal blood being shed for them, establishing a covenant between God and man built on grace and the example of the sacrifice of Christ. What a great thing. Heavenly Father, I pray now that you would bless this bread and this cup. Lord, the bread and the cup that we have here has already been broken, already been poured out. Lord, we know what it signifies for us. And I pray that it would be today a means of grace that all those today that participate in this Lord, by your blessing, would remember what you did for them. And I pray that this would stir each one in this room to greater acts of grace and compassion. Lord, help us to use our words to build up, to encourage, and to come alongside and whisper those words of calm or inspiration. Help us remembering what you did. Push us in that direction. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.